0: magic. It's really, it's the thing that's on my mind these days. I've been, uh, exploring more of my own relationship to it. And, uh, as obvious from the last series of podcasts, having a lot of conversations with people about it, both, uh, publicly and privately. Uh, where's the magic in your life? You know, where, where, where does that come from? How does that work for you? What kind of stuff are you up to out there? Uh, listen in and hear what Beth, Al's daughter, and myself have to say, and then let us know what you're up to. McGregor, And with each installation in this podcast, we're going to explore the world of spirituality, what it means to be alive, and how is it that we can bring our spiritual selves, a tarot, meditation, religious or spiritual practices into our daily lives. Please check out all of our episodes at thehermitslamp.com podcasts. Or you can search The Hermit's Lamp in podcasts on iTunes and download them all directly that way. So just before the podcast starts, I want to mention that if you are looking to uh, deepen uh, your practice around reading the cards, uh, there is a growing... A series of uh, recorded classes, uh, streaming videos, uh, take them on your own time uh, kind of courses uh, on the Tarot de Marseille, on the Toth deck, and a foundations class for people who are just looking to round out their practice. All of these classes include uh, some of the most amazing teachers uh, from all around the world, uh, and of course myself as well. Um, so, if you're interested in taking some courses, uh, especially as the summer's rolling around, maybe you're going to find some time on your hand and want to play with the cards more, please uh, go to thehermitslamp.com and just click on the learning tab to uh, check out all the courses as well as any live upcoming events that are on their way to you. So welcome to the next episode of the Hermit Lamp Podcast. I am here with Beth Owl's daughter. And, uh, you know, I met Beth Beth at uh, Reader Studio last year and really, really enjoyed her energy and her vibe. And, uh, you know, we've been talking sort of behind the scenes about tarot and magic and other things. She's going to be teaching uh, on the upcoming tarot and magic course. But, you know, for people who don't know who you are, Beth, because you don't have your book out yet, um, Mm -hmm. why don't you give us a a, a quick introduction?
1: Uh, Well, thanks. Um, I'm glad to be here, and thanks for inviting me to teach this class. I'm really pretty jazzed about it. Uh, I live in Durham, North Carolina in the U.S., and I've been fooling around with the tarot since 1972. I got really serious about my practice in about 2000 or 2001, uh, but I've been reading for people, you know, very casually at first, and then of course it just grew and grew, and then took over my life, and here I am. I love to teach these days. That's that's the thing that I that really jazzes me. I want to be able to leave um, this world knowing that I've helped spawn a, a huge. Uh, wave of new tarot readers and i i'm on a couple of different missions one mission is that i really feel like the tarot is such a powerful wonderful tool for modern time and and i think that people should be able to consult the tarot as easily as they would go to google you know it's it, it's just that you have to have a little bit of knowledge you have to have a little bit of practice but It's just such a practical thing to use for almost everything you can think of in your life. So I love for people to be able to do that. I I also am on a mission for tarot to have a much better reputation and be more respected than it is um, these days. And, you know, that's kind of an uphill battle because there are people that abuse it like in any other profession. Um, There are Mm. people that are not on the up and up. But somehow tarot gets more than its fair share. Than I say, I would say astrology. Maybe because in astrology you have to do math. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> well,
0: there's definitely more of a production value to astrology, right? You know, you've gotta, you gotta, you gotta do some more stuff for sure. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah, but it's...
1: but I just love I love the tarot. At the minute I clapped eyes on my first deck, I fell in love, and that's kind of been it my whole life. It's really been kind of a golden thread that weaves its way through my whole life, so that's where I am. Awesome.
0: What what deck did you uh, start with?
1: I started with a good old Rider Waite Smith um, with a huh. little blue plaid back, and my best friend um, in college, we were both in college together, and... And ran across these decks in a little head shop next to the waterbeds and the bongs and um he got the aquarian, and so we would swap off you know doing readings with each other and practicing everything uh-huh. together so I, lo- I love the aquarian too, but that was kind of his deck, and my deck is is the rider, which you know I kind of you know I have not been monogamous. <laughs> 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 I fell out of love with it for a long time, and you know, and I, 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 you know, I had affairs with other decks. And my other real favorite, probably, is the Osho Zen. I, I really mm. love that deck, and um, but I keep coming back to the Rider. It, it really is my first and my truest love.
0: <laughs> it's it's interesting. I, the, that's a story I hear from a lot of people that the the deck that they started with is is one that they they really really held on to you know and for me that was just not the case i started with the mythic tarot um which i picked up like when it first came out it Was kind of when i started reading and you know, i read with it for a bit but once i got into the top deck i was like ah this is the rest of these decks are meh they just didn't excite me and you know and and the Rider Waite although i've spent a lot of time with it because you know i feel obliged to you know as a As a tarot reader and teacher and and as somebody who runs a store, I feel like I really do need to be well aware of what kind of the most common deck is. Uh, But, you know, I've never liked it. It's just never it's never excited me in any way. So it's always it's always fascinating how those variations in, in taste and temperament and chance, I guess. Really, Isn't uh, it
1: interesting? I I know it, and there's people that wouldn't touch either one of them, and really go for the old, you know, Marseille deck or uh, you know the the older woodcut looking ones, and you know totally think the modern ones are poof, you know. So <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: absolutely, there's no
1: accounting for for taste and how it grabs you. But you know what what I love though is that it, there is the commonality that runs throughout, and it's it's just a powerful, wonderful. Um, way of life, really.
0: Mm-hmm. So I'm also really curious about the uh, the idea of, of helping the reputation of tarot. You know, because, I mean, on the one hand, you know, at, at first glance to me, you know, that, that idea seems obvious. Like, of course, yes, we want tarot to be well-received and, and well-recognized. But, you know, tarot for me is this thing that is is slightly... Well, slightly can be way out there, you know. Can be sort of way out beyond the bounds of what what is sort of conventionally acceptable. Not in not in a, a negative way, and certainly not in the, the scammy way that you're referring to. But I but I wonder I wonder how accepted it can actually be, given how far out it actually can go.
1: Oh, Do you know totally. What I, mean? I I know what you're saying. Absolutely. It yeah, and and it's and that's why I'm not a big fan of certification because I don't uh-huh. really think it. You can put it in a box like that. What worries me, and and I think that what feeds its bad reputation are the people that are not actually using it as tarot. They are. It's a prop for a con game, and yeah. they may not even really know anything about the tarot at all. So my mission is for people to really personally get to know the tarot so that they can be more discerning about their readers that they invite in to have a conversation with. But, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think it should go out to the farthest edges and beyond if it needs to, as as long as what you're doing is still tied in some way to the power of the cards and is not just, you know, making up stuff um, or or even worse, conning people out of their money using these images for a, a purpose mm-hmm. totally unrelated yeah. to what they
0: are. Yeah. Because you know, the other thing that, that really is interesting me a lot these days, um, which uh, which really pushes pushes the buttons pushes my buttons sometimes about reading cards is um, I've been reading a lot and and listening a lot to um, sort of you know different um, more science t- brain chemistry psychology neuroscience kind of things and uh, you know a lot of stuff where they're they're talking about how how our brains get tricked you know how our brains don't work the way we think they do how there are various ways in which you know we ought not to trust our you know our, our inner wiring because it is it is easily fooled you know and and I think that that's that's also a very sort of interesting set of problems to deal with you know around our our failable memories people's expectation biases um, you know all this kind of stuff and I was listening to a, a podcast the other day called You Are Not So Smart and they had this magician. On who basically um, has you know does like stage magic and cold readings and and all that kind of stuff that I don't think tarot is about, but it's very interesting and hard to listen to how uh, cynical and negative these people are about all all the spiritual stuff like this, you know, astrology and all sorts of other things, Um, and and yet at the same time I think that they have a lot of uh, there's a lot of really good stuff in amongst these, the cynicism that, that I think that readers benefit from, you know, being being logical and understanding how the brain works, being being mindful of how it can be relatively easy in a setting like a reading to um, accidentally instill things into people that, you know, that either aren't real or aren't helpful or, you know, all that kind of stuff. So. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, totally, but but, you know, I kind of chalk a lot of that up to the fact that um, psychology and a scientific approach. To the way the brain works, and to understand human consciousness is just going through the terrible twos <laughs> um, my, <laughs> my, my sense is that suddenly it has dawned on everybody that the mechanistic um, model for human consciousness that was all the rage at guess when you know the industrial revolution and in the, in the final stages of that. Um, doesn't we we don't work like factories and and we don't process information in a predictable uh scientifically rigorous way and so predictive models based on psychology and, and and analysis and logic and linear thinking are are now falling apart because guess what that's really not the way humans work and so this this little temper tantrum about the occult and esoteric knowledge and that non-linear kind of consciousness um, is i think it's basically just you know being mad at the fact that that industrial model is breaking down it doesn't work like people thought it was going to do and sorry mr freud but that's just not the way that humans really it it works sort of on the surface Mm -hmm. but when you really start digging the fact is that you can have a stage magician supposedly duping people but i think that the third stage beyond that is when they begin to realize that actually even if they don't mean to or intend to or know that they're doing so they are actually tapping in to this this interconnectedness of consciousness and wisdom and who knows what mystery let's call it that is, mm-hmm. has been there all along, just waiting for science to catch up.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, and I had um, Art Rosengarten on here earlier in the summer. You know, we were talking about sort of this, uh, you know, almost like non, non-dual, non you know, transcendental approach to psychology and stuff like that. And I think that there is a, a there is a point at which it really does come, you know, something comes out of a practice right and if if your practice is uh you know r- rigorous analytical knowledge you know that's actually also possibly one of the limbs of yoga right you know like right. there are there are these you know different approaches and different ideas and you know that whenever i hear these ideas emerging they remind me of my occult studies you know they remind me of what i learned you know, and uh, you know, uh, in 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 ceremony in temple, you know, from people I I studied with and those kinds of things. So
1: Absolutely. I, I it's think it depends on how you frame it. I mean, you know, it, it the you know, what if the fact is, as we are finding our way and trying to label it all and understand it all, we are really living in a. In, uh, an environment where we the, the invisible ocean to the fish is that it is spirit infused it is multiple realities it's it's quantum mm-hmm. mechanics um how can our self awareness not be impacted by that
0: yeah well, and, you know, and, and also <laughs> to quote Harry Potter, which I've been watching with my kids a lot lately because they are way into it. So we've been like just watching it and watching it and reading all the books and rewatching the movies and stuff. And, you know, there's a scene where, uh, you know, spoiler alert, if you plan on watching Harry Potter, skip ahead a couple of minutes, um, but where, where, you know, Harry's died and he's off in this sort of train station talking to to dumbledore the you know the sort of the, the old teacher wizard guy who has also who is also dead you know and and harry says like you know is this is this real or is it just in my head and you know and the guy's like well of course it's in your head where else would it be how else can you process stuff you know and so right. i think this the, these perspectives you know where people come out strong and try and limit the conversation in a certain way, you know, is, is really sketchy, and you know, it's it's easy to win the argument if you define the terms such that, you know, right. it limits where you can actually go with the conversation. Absolutely,
1: it's a it's a faulty premise from the get-go, I think, and 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 that's you know, so just waiting for the rest of the universe to catch up with where we people on the edges have have put down roots.
0: <laughs> mhm. So, you know, since we're going to talk about <coughs> the edges, um one of the things that fascinates me about you is you're one of the people out there, you know, I don't know if, we're, if these terms apply to you, but but certainly uh how I think of it is you're one of the people out there doing magic you know and working magically with people and I'd be really curious to hear more about that and how that how that is for you
1: Hmm. well um, I'm I'm very much out of the broom closet which I call myself a witch um, Uh in honor of people that have died because they were called that and also because it's a a pretty good all-round term for my approach to living magically in a magical world I I believe that you know um, Speaking of the edges, I, I was looking through my notes before our call today, and I, and I found this note that I wrote that that says that we're in a lifetime dance engaged between control and surrender, and magic is what happens at the edge of that. Mm. So that's, that's kind of, that's how I live. I, I believe that um, some things like Frank, Frank McCowan says that when you lean into nature, nature leans back. When you begin hmm. to notice how everything you do um, has a ripple effect in, in the greater world and you also learn how to ride the waves of what is happening around you, I think that's magic. And I, But I think it's also the extra step beyond that, which is to have an intention for change that you want to make happen. And as somebody else has said, it might be Scott Cunningham, just basically is that magic is just a technology that we ha- we don't fully understand yet. So mm-hmm. having an intention to make change happen using a technology that doesn't quite have a name, and but we it has some guidelines and some things that have worked ever since people have been keeping records of such things. Uh, it doesn't line up. With a mechanistic scientific approach, but but that kind of science actually has been gone for almost a century, and and the mainstream understanding is just beginning to catch up with that. It really is on the on the cutting curve of you know quantum reality. So that's mm-hmm. that. Now, all that said, that's all very you know head stuff. Um, in in a on a daily practice, um, I. I started out, you know, as a practicing witch. I, I've always been a witch. I just didn't know that there was a name for it till I was much older. But I always yeah. identified with the Disney witches, and um, not so much the Oz witch, because you know, they, the good witches, maybe. But um, yeah, you know, but I, but I just always, I, I always knew. I always knew that there was that everything around me was alive and divine, and and, um, in college, I came up with a term that I was a um you know I don't remember what I called it now It was like a polytheist uh pantheist with Buddhist and Hindu overtone druid I mean, you know, not even knowing that there were actually druids anywhere, but yeah. but just trying to like capture my feeling for the divine um in a relationship with nature with the seasons, with uh, the earth itself, Uh, that's always been in me. So uh, in my early witchy days as a baby witch, I was really interested in spells and how you can have an intention in mind and do a bunch of mojo stuff you know and get some um fabulous candles and accessories that was fun you know. Um, You've gotta love the and, candles i i was yeah, you know, and I, you know, I oh, came up
0: in ceremonial stuff, so you know I, I love a good uh you know a good accessory oh, yeah. or whatever totally, right really
1: well, I was raised Episcopalian, so yeah the, you know the bells and smells i mean that's really you know half the fun. Um, and, and ritualistic, you know, stand up and kneel and stand up and kneel and sit and sing and, you know, and all the, all the props. I love that stuff because it really is speaking to a deeper inner self that's playful and nonverbal. And it wakes mm. up that spirit self, I think, and says, come out, let's play, let's, but let's also connect to the mystery all around us, the, the, the living being, um, so doing spell work is real fun but but then as i've gotten older i do it less and less because i don't need to it's like if you're paying attention and you're and you're really in harmony with this with the inner knowing and with uh what's happening around you and 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 trusting your your vibes about people and situations and timing it's it's less necessary to try to Make your will happen because my will is so often just basically in harmony and aligned with the will for me, you know the 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 will of everything yeah. around me um, yeah. so that's that's basically how I practice,
0: <laughs> yeah you know I resonate with that a lot you know I used to have i used to have a dedicated temple space and I used to you know do all sorts of ceremonies all the time, and you know lots of lots of yeah. Little little magical workings and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, now mostly most of my work is devotional. Yeah. You know, I mean, and, and, and devotional and listening, you know, and sometimes and sometimes other things, you know, like I, I like to, you know, one of my favorite things is to go out in the woods uh, in the ravine behind the shop and sit and listen to the birds and, you know, see what they have to say. And then, you know. And then do something based on that, you know, because often there'll be like, a, you know, some kind of message or practical application, you know. But, uh, yeah, but the 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 days of, of doing tons and tons of sigil work, which was certainly one of my favorite things, you know, the, it's less common for me to, to go that way. Because, because it, in some ways, because I think that all of that work has shaped me into a place of alignment where that kind of work becomes less necessary.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well mm-hmm. said. Although uh, I still love to do that. I mean, you know, especially um, for the Sabbats, you know, the eight holidays of the year. It's, it's wonderful to put together, you know, a full-blown ritual and, and do all kinds of wonderful things. But, I, you know, they, they say that there's really only three prayers in the whole world. Please and thank you. And wow. <laughs> you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: and, and and I think for the for this later part of my life, most of my prayers are thank you. Um and so creating ceremony and creating ritual space around that and having that sort of be the, the fuel of my day um seems to be a lot more harmonious with everything around me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Wow.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So when you're when you're uh, working with people, do, do people come to you looking for that kind of magical input? Do you find that?
1: They they have in the past because I also um, have like a little teeny tiny herbal kind of a business thing, which isn't really. I mean, I I, I tried to start something up and and then just sort of just didn't have time for it because my tarot kind of took over everything. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, you know, I, I, but I love the herbies. They're, they're my favorite allies. Um, I grow a lot of them here. We're very blessed. We live out in the woods, um, out in the county. And, uh, but now that the trees have kind of grown up, not a lot of gardening happens anymore that can't survive deep shade. But, but but I grow, I grow some herbs. And, um, and so for a while, people were, seeking me out asking for different kinds of packets of prosperity things and this and that and and I know how to put those together but what I kind of found is that you have to do your own magic I can teach you that but I can't do it for you and I can't and I don't really like writing a script I was going around for a while doing house blessings and uh-huh. um, banishing you know um, icky energy and stuff like that and and that's fun. I, I and I, you know, if I had like several lifetimes, I could I could do that. I think I've done it in the past. It's very familiar mm. to me and comfortable. But at the same time, it, it, it there's what I what I didn't like about it is that I I like those to give that service, but I think that people have to be a lot more participative in it, and, mm. and can't just be passive. The magic comes from you and um i can be a guide for that i can i can teach you how to do it i can give you suggestions i can give you some of the um doodads but but you really have to bring it yourself or it it doesn't work and so i you know i have mixed feelings about the people that also you know sell spells and magic and stuff i mm-hmm. i don't know how i really feel about that i've Again, some of those are are just rip-offs. Some of them I think are well-meaning, but you really you have to be grounded in your own reality and connected to your own guides, I think to to make that really work for you. So,
0: um, yeah, I I think of it this way because, you know, uh, for me, if I'm going to do it's kind of like going for a chiropractic adjustment, right? Mm-hmm. If you you can go and see somebody or you can come and see me or you or whoever and and have something tweaked in your life um but if the person's not owning and working on the stuff that caused that misalignment to begin with then it's largely fruitless you know so it's it's like people who you know uh you know they 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 want they they want uh, like the a new boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever but they keep choosing the exact same person, right? like you know getting getting them to to find a connection is probably not an issue you know with with some spiritual encouragement or what have you, but you know if the if the person's still you know just running their old damaged psychology in that situation, then so what where does it get them? It gets them another round of of going through that cycle to see. You know, maybe they can maybe they can change in action, but probably not. You know, because by the time a person's back in that cycle again, it tends to be much harder to get out of it, right? Absolutely. So I sort of think of it that way. You know, if if it's a question of what at what level does the person need the adjustment, and you know, yeah, like it's just like you know, if the person you know, I've had people ask me to come clean their house and. They're in this like horrible relationship with somebody, and it's full of you know some level of abusiveness. It's like, well, it's great we can, you know, reset this back to to zero, but then what, right? And does that actually make any change in that person's life? Which you know, exactly. I think it, it kind of doesn't. Which is really kind of where you're going with that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Which is exactly why I I love the tarot because. Um, as I tell people, you know, the tarot helps you see for yourself. So when I do a reading with somebody, um, we can look at that, but, but it's a conversation that the tarot then, if, if they're open, and if I've created like a, a setting where they can lower their guards just a little bit and be open to what the tarot is really telling them, it speaks to their own spirit and soul that is going through this and they can see exactly where their dilemma is it's so clear like that i can't when i can sit and talk to somebody about something even in psychology when i tell and tell and tell it's the difference between show and tell yeah the the cards show them and it resonates with some place they can go oh I get it. I see it. Now I now I know. So mm-hmm. and for people for instance um just thinking of a recent reading where this woman was you know in bad relationships over and over and over and and part of it was she was so beaten down that her self-confidence was just shot, you know. So she she was not she didn't feel capable of upping her game at all to anybody that would be more appropriate. She felt like she was lucky to have some monster even take notice of her so you know but the cards really showed that in a way that was really clear to her not some kind of a it wasn't coddling but it really was hey you're beautiful you're amazing get out there and you know turn she got lots of queens and the empress and you know things like that they were like you treat yourself more like nobility you know and Mm -hmm. have higher expectations not lower expectations and see what happens and and it really got her i I think she really saw that finally nobody'd ever really addressed it quite like that and and that's how the tarot is just so much smarter than me because i would have never even really thought of that but there it was
0: Mm -hmm. Um, yeah it's just the conversation so the the right framing or the right you know way of serving it up you know is there which I think is really really profound right because if you say if you say things in the right way then all of a sudden it cuts through it right you know or right. If, you, if you're you know if you're in a Socratic method you know like if you ask the right question at the right time then the person's all of a sudden like but 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 oh huh. okay but, then all right now okay. I get it you know
1: and I, and I just think that the cards have a way of penetrating all those blocks so much more powerfully and and ex- and exactly the way that's needed it would take yeah. you know hours and hours and hours of figuring out if you're just trying to like get at it verbally you know what I mean
0: mm-hmm yeah well and you know I and I think too like the the process of um, verbally getting at something through therapy is uh, is wonderful
1: mm-hmm. but totally.
0: But at each step along the way, it becomes more and more entrenched in the conversation that's already happened, and so it can be much harder to have those big, sort of clear, clear perspectives on things yeah. that uh, that can come in a reading, you know. Because uh, I'm sure you've had this too. So many times, somebody's been like, you know, I've been in therapy for like years, and they've never highlighted this, never come up, you know. And I'm like, oh. Well there you go, you know. And <laughs> not to say that they maybe don't need therapy about what came up in the tarot reading, but uh, you know, but it's a way of of cutting cutting straight to it and sort of pulling something out that the person was just in in many other ways obscuring, right?
1: Absolutely. And and really it's a it's a it can be a two-step process that way of, you know, having the tarot open it up, but then have you know, talk therapy be the healing, you know, and, and the re- how do I recalibrate? How do I um, reimagine my, my steps after this breakthrough moment? You know, so
0: mm-hmm. yeah,
1: it's a, I, I think it's a fabulous adjunct that way. And I'm really glad that maybe the, the world of clinical psychology and so forth is, is beginning to take another look at tarot as, as a therapeutic tool. Which
0: yeah. is one way it can be used, for sure. Hmm. So, I'm curious about what was we've been sort of talking about this sort of like journey, right? Like you know, you you've, where you started, how you started, and kind of where you, where you are now. What What's fascinating? What's pulling you further into the into the future or into the the spiritual side these days?
1: Well, I've um Oh, lots of things. I th- I think that um what I'm really into these days uh, besides everything else <laughs> 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 um is uh I've been studying with RJ Stewart and I I really really resonate with his um teachings about fairy healing and about uh-huh. with the, with the under World energies. The, yeah. Um, uh, I I just I find that just really powerful. He is he's such a fabulous scholar and his scholarship of, of Celtic shamanic practices and um, and and the actual historical lore of um, fairy beings and so forth throughout history, which just cuts out all of the fluffy silly. Disney stuff completely it's like if you're attached right. to that that's fine but be prepared to say goodbye in a big way if you really start working with this stuff. For me it, it just is really really powerful and um, and I'm hoping he's going to be leading I believe a small group of people to uh, the Orkney um, dig that's been happening. It's really big news I think Um that is this this historical site that's been uncovered fairly recently and um, is yielding all kinds of real different perspectives about the ancient cultures that lived in the British Isles and um, he's he's very familiar with that work and I think we're we're gonna be able to go to Scotland next fall with him and and tour that and um do some other things too so so that kind of stuff is is really. You
0: know what I'm in love with right now amazing yeah you know i think the 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 whole fairy thing is is interesting right you know the 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 Disneyfication of of those energies into you know something more um gentle right is is Absolutely. interesting
1: Absolutely. You know I mean? well yeah, i mean i i i think that it's um Blindness and arrogance, two very dangerous companions, um, that have have kind of closed off the idea that they, that we are not alone here on this planet. We're not the only intelligent two-legged race here. And mm. um, and if you open to that possibility, then you see it everywhere. It's in all cultures around the globe throughout history. Uh, there are eyewitness reports that very much. You know, resonate with one another, so this is not um some baby story at all. it's we have babied it down, but that is what we do with the deities that don't win in the culture we We make them insignificant and silly and uh, we also do that with other races and tribes you know, that we don't like either once we dominate them. But but that doesn't make the reality any different. And I, mm. I really do feel like um, this is something to pay attention to because as we erode this environment, it erodes their world too. And they have a stake uh, in what happens to this planet. And yeah. So
0: but I think is- it's part of a, a bigger problem. I mean, I think that all the things you said are certainly true. But, like, you know, as I mentioned, you know, I, I kind of came up spiritually doing Western ceremonial traditions, you know, mm-hmm. and you know as as uh, you know, as one might expect, if you know much about them, I spent a lot of time doing work with uh, angels and archangels. And you know, I, I look at the ways in which those energies have been, you know, from my perspective, uh disnified and sort of cleaned up, you know, and made yeah. more more acceptable, right? You know, but it's like you know, it's it's not it's not what the stories of those energies are in history. You know, they are wrathful. They are potentially, right? They are, you know, powerful and intimidating and scary and wonderful and enlightening. But right. but they're but sort of casual and, you know, tied into sort of happy-go-lucky approaches to them has just never fit any of my direct experiences with them. You Absolutely. Know? And, and not to say In that I know servants. everything. You know, yeah, they're, and they're not, servants not
1: servants to us. And, and, and I think that that's like a kind of an underlying message of both, you know, angelic energies and fairy energies is that somehow they are, our, you know, um um, uh headstrong but it's subservient races to us and, and that 's you know just not the case at all
0: mm-hmm.
1: but that's that's that 's western culture for you <laughs>
0: yeah yeah exactly everything's you
1: know. subservient to us isn 't it
0: <laughs> and if it 's not, we will create technology that will make it subservient to us <laughs>
1: exactly
0: <laughs> yes uh, mm. totally well, I think that this is probably a great place to wrap up for today. But it's been super fun having this conversation with you, and, and thank you for being on the show. And,
1: oh yes, indeed.
0: And when people hear this and, and want to come in and you know hang out with you or find out more about you, which I have no doubt that they will, um, where should they go? Where where are you hanging out online these days? Uh,
1: my my website is very simple. It's just www. Dot owl's daughter owl like the bird s daughter owl's daughter dot com and my schedule is there my blog is there uh, my information about how to get a reading with me is there and my classes are all posted there so so that's the your one stop shop you know awesome. can i can i add this one thing i this is yeah uh, actually a quote that when I've taught the class I'll be teaching in, in your series, uh, I've, t- I've taught this class as an all-day thing. So, of course, I'm going to have to um, nip that down just a little bit. But this is a quote that I, I've used in that, and I would I would love to share it here with you. Is that okay?
0: Yeah, please.
1: It's from Robert uh, McCammon, who, is, um, who won the Bram Stoker Award. He's a writer from Birmingham, Alabama and is known for his horror writing. So I, and I don't read horror, but I really liked his quote. So it goes like this. We, we all start out knowing magic. We are born with whirlwinds, forest fires, and comets inside us. We are born able to see birds and read the clouds and see our destiny in grains of sand. But then we get the magic ed, educated right out of our souls. We get it churched out, spanked out, washed out, and combed out. We get put on the straight and narrow path and told to be responsible, told to act our age, told to grow up for God's sake. And you know why we're told that? Because the people doing the telling were afraid of our wildness and youth, and because the magic we knew made them ashamed and sad of what they'd allowed themselves to wither into. So let's not wither. Let's really you know, spark that magic, embrace it, and remember, really who we are.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love it. Well, go out and do it, everybody. Bring back yeah. your wildness. Continue yeah, to feed your wildness. Your wildness. <laughs> and let us know how it's going.
1: Thank you so much, Andrew. What a pleasure. I appreciate it. My pleasure.
0: It. Thank you. Bye bye. So that was a totally wonderful uh, recording for me. And uh, if you are going out and bringing back your wildness, you know, totally, please let me know. Let Beth Owl's daughter know. We'd love to uh, receive some inspiration from you about where we could be uh, wilder and more engaged as well. And also, if you're looking for the uh, Tarot and Magic course, which we talked about some in this episode, It is uh, going to start September 30th, 2015, if you want to catch it live. Uh, And if you are catching this after the fact, fear not. Uh, All the courses that I run are recorded and available for uh, listening after the fact. Uh, All of that is on the hermitslamp.com events page. Uh, Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.